This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And we officially have a new men's head basketball coach. As you all know, uh, as Tom Green has agreed to a six-year deal worth $3.2 million a year to take over for Mark Fox. Definitely a big name in the industry, but before we talk about the hire, just want to make sure everyone knows out there, you guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UJ. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the new hire. Seems like most people are on board with this and are pretty energized by the hire, by the hire. but we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, love to get your thoughts on uh, the direction we went with this job. I also want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Uh, of course, dogsportsradio.com, where we got started a couple years back. Uh, you can download the Dog Sports Radio uh, app straight to your smartphone. Stitcher and TuneIn apps, you can find us there. And of course, uh, if iTunes and SoundCloud are a little easier for you, you can find our show on those two platforms as well. And whatever platform it is that you find our show on, please, if you get a second, uh, just rate and review the show. Let us know what you think. We would greatly appreciate that. It definitely helps us as we continue to try to grow the show. All right, Kurt. Tom Crean. Tom Crean. Are you good with this hire? Let's just start it there. Are you good with this? I actually am. Um, you know, I think that the one thing we're lacking as good as the coach Mark Fox was, um, and as much as he did with the program and things like, you know, going out to football games and everything, I still um, – the one thing that jumped off to me was just how, how much energy um, Tom Crean has. I think that's the one thing almost everyone got. Like, you Did you watch the entirety of his press conference? I did. And like I – you know, I like, what, 27-minute opening statement, something like that, something crazy? Exactly. And then, you know, he was sitting there like he was a preacher, you know, banging on the podium and everything, you know I mean? It's just – it's nice to see someone have some energy about a program, you know, a part of our program that really, you know, everyone just chalks up to when we're a football school. Yeah, I mean, he's ready to get after it right now. There's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I'm good with this. I, I like the energy. No doubt about that. Not to say that Fox didn't have energy, but it, it certainly appears that Tom Crean kind of takes it to another level. If you guys are familiar with, with him as a coach, actually watching him coach on the sideline, he does not sit down. He paces back and forth the entire game. Like the dude absolutely 100% gets a major workout every single game. And that's just the kind of guy he is really intense, really a high energy type guy. And his teams, I don't know how much of Indiana you watched the past couple of years, but when you see them play, do you see a lot of that same type of carryover, that, that same kind of high energy up-tempo pace with his teams? Um, I do really for the most part. I mean, you see it. They play more free. Uh, they, you know, they play a free type of offense. Yeah, they're not like the fastest pace offense in the country, but they're, they they definitely push the pace a little bit. Uh, he's clearly embracing modern basketball. He made some mention uh, in the press conference like how we're going to shoot threes, we're going to push the ball, we're going to have good guard play, which is kind of what you and I have been begging for, right? When I hear those things, I'm like, oh my God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Finally, we're actually hearing somebody that wants to play modern basketball. That does not think the entire offensive system has to work through the post. Uh, so that to me, I'm I'm very excited about that because that's what I've been begging for. That's been the trend in basketball for years now. The Warriors really kind of uh, brought that into prominence, but you see it all over the uh, the SEC now. You see it with Auburn's a team this year that certainly embraced that style of play, and look what they they tied uh, for the SEC regular season. So that's something that that was music to my ears, no doubt about it. Um, if you look at his resume, does it excite you? 
it really does. And, you know, I, as weird as this sounds, I think the one thing that jumps off me the most is I respect the fact that he was fired from Indiana because I think sometimes with these coaches who go from, like, this, you know, I mean, Mark has a better school than some of the other mid-majors, but when they jump up to the big dogs with, like, Indiana and other schools like that, you know, they're – they're riding high, but I really think he came down to earth and got humbled um, by the firing of Indiana. I think this last year off working for ESPN and things allowed him to go around and really study the game of basketball from an outsider's perspective and see what works and what different systems. Because, I mean, the one – like you heard him talk about it in the press conference. He said he knew he wanted to run like a three-four, uh, three-four court press, that he had never done it before, but that's something that he's going to be running a lot. And I think you see things like that that are going to change his philosophy and may allow him to um, you know, progress as a coach. Yeah, certainly in accordance with that, I, I do believe that taking a year off, taking a step back and kind of just having the 25,000-foot view of things and kind of just really kind of learning more, going around talking to, to teams. And like, the thing about when you're a head coach, you don't really get to actually watch many other teams other than the teams that you were scouting for. You don't get to see what teams in the SEC are doing, what teams in the Pac-12 are doing, unless you're actually going to play them in one of those preseason tournaments. So I think getting a chance to just see different teams, see different styles and kind of just uh, when, when he's calling some of those games, he did a lot of studio work, but he also called a couple games, getting to actually go in there and meet with the coaches, watch some practices. I think there's a lot that you can take from that. He seems like that kind of hungry guy who is willing to learn uh, and just progress as a coach. So I, I, I'm excited about that. We'll see uh, what it kind of uh, looks like now that he is back in the game, but I, I certainly don't think that can hurt whatsoever. I mean, look, this guy... He's won at a high level, all right? Five 26-plus win seasons on his resume, three conference titles, a Final Four there, a couple Sweet 16s as well. This, to me, is 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 almost is this a no-brainer hire? Is that fair to say? If you can get a guy uh, like Tom Green, is that I mean, a no-brainer? someone like that out there, I mean, it is, a, it is almost like, why would you not? Uh, yeah, I... I, I think if, if you get a chance to get a guy like this that has that has had the previous level of success that he's had, and I'm not saying Tom Crean is an elite level coach. You wouldn't go that far, would you? No. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's quite gotten there. I think he's shown he can be a very very good coach, but I don't know if he's been he's not an elite coach. He hasn't achieved that level of success yet. But he's a very good coach, and we have a chance to get a guy that's established like that who's won at a high level. For a program like ours, I think you 100 percent have to go go after him. I mean, seriously, again, this guy's got. Five 26-plus win seasons, three conference titles, a Final Four in the resume. We just don't get guys like that in Georgia, at least on the basketball side of the and equation. I got to say, the one thing that really stuck out to me is he seems to be pretty good at evaluating talent. So you're talking about certain players in particular, you know, like Dwayne Wade, who had three offers out of high school. Um, I can't remember who it was at the top of my head, but you can't talk about the one guy who only had one offer. Um, but he seems Yeah, like I can't remember who that was either. I remember, I remember him talking about that. I can't remember the name. But it wasn't yeah, in, in a newbie, was it? No, it wasn't OG. No, no, it was Oladipo. Oh, it was Oladipo. There you go. There you go. Yeah, who becomes the number two pick? And so yeah. I think he, to me, I think that really did, you know, strike a chord. And he seems like, you know, that's one thing we always talk about with Fox. You know, it came down to talent evaluation because you weren't going to consistently get the top players. And when you look at something like that, that at least makes me, you know, feel good that he is decent at talent evaluation. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point as well. I think he just certainly has a track record where you can look at some of the guys he's brought in. He's like, okay, this is a guy that brought in some guys that maybe weren't as uh, high-profile recruits, but he certainly got the most out of them. So I'm with you, man. I think this is – I'm very excited about this hire. I'm, I'm energized by it. But on the other hand, while I do think most people are kind of like you and me are in this in that frame of mind where we're energized by this hire, we're excited by, about the direction of the basketball program, there still is a minority out there that isn't quite so sure. I, there, there's not a ton. I mean, I think, generally speaking, most people are excited about this. But uh, I think there is a minority out there. Like, there isn't any case that, that isn't completely sold on the hire. Uh, in fact, 
a buddy of mine uh, over the weekend tried to argue with me that Crean really isn't that much of an upgrade over Mark Fox. And he had several points he was arguing. We were kind of go back and forth. This, but he had several points he kept coming back to. So what I'm going to do here, Curtis, for a minute is I'm going to present his arguments, my buddy's arguments, to you and let you respond. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. So the first thing he kept going back to, uh, he started with this and he kept going back to it over and over again, is the idea that Tom Crean got fired from his last job and we are just sitting here taking someone else's leftovers, a guy that couldn't get the job done at his last stop. So how would you respond to that argument? All right. Well, first off, um, it's the- if we had the type fan base that Indiana had, uh, Mark Fox would have fired four years ago. Yeah, it's all about um, expectations. Because like, define getting the job done. Indiana getting the job done is a little different than getting the job done as a Georgia. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, their fan base holds them to a different account, even though, I, in my opinion, at the time when he got there, it was completely ridiculous because they were coming off sanctions. He was having to build them back. Um, then, yeah, they, know, had, they had one scholarship player his first year. I mean, this is the like that, this is the definition, or that was the definition of a rebuild. Like, you cannot get more of a rebuild situation than having one scholarship player returning. That's insanity. Exactly, and so in that time, through all these rebuilds and everything, he he uh he won what two Big Ten uh, regular season titles, um, mm-hmm. and he did all these things there, and that's through through you know I mean realistically, I think it took him a couple years to get past the rebuild, and then even then, I mean, how many other coaches? I mean, Indiana has has not been a consistent stop for any coach since really Bob. Uh, yeah, let's Bob bring. Knight. I want to bring this into the equation here because. Indiana likes to think they are a blue blood basketball program. I know Bob Knight elevated that status, but that's, that's is, is Indiana still a blue blood program like they think they are? No, not since Bob Knight left. They ran him off, and since then they have been they've been uh, above you know above average. Yeah, let me throw this at you. Right uh, in the past quarter century, since 1993, a quarter of a century, Indiana basketball has three Big Ten titles in the last quarter century. Tom Crean has two of those three. All right, in that same quarter century since 1993, Indiana has four Sweet 16 appearances. Tom Crean has three of them. Since Bob Knight, Tom Crean, I know that uh, Mike Davis went to the finals one time, uh, but then he got fired shortly after that. But Tom Crean was the most consistently successful coach they've had since Bob Knight. And that's including the last couple of years of Bob Knight's tenure. The last couple of years of ten- Bob Knight's tenure were not good because Bob Knight was still coaching after 1993. I mean, seriously, in the last quarter century, 25 years since 1993, Three Big Ten titles, Crean has two of them. Four Sweet Sixteens, Crean has three of them. So I define again going back to the idea, define getting the job done. Is that not getting the job done? Say, I mean, realistically, it was just about their fan base holding them to a an know, unrealistic. Like, yeah, they're not the same team. They're not the same program they once were, and their fan base I don't think has quite grasped that. No, and that, that's why I said if we had a fan base like that, Fox would have been fired four years ago. Yeah, maybe even earlier than that. I mean, there's no way he would have gotten a year earliest, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He would have been fired. So, I mean, I think that's a ridiculous explanation. And everything that uh, Tom Crean has established, I mean, he made Marquette – and Marquette has become a consistent a, – a, more or less consistent program since he got there and built them up. Yeah, he really got that ship running. He gets it going with Dwayne Wade, gets the final four appearance there. And people would say, well, he, he only did it because he had Dwayne Wade. What other coach out there does it, gets the final four without good players? Tell me. Tell yeah, me that, one I mean, by. That, that's an idiotic argument because no coach is going to get there without at least one good player. Yeah, one of my, that's one of the other arguments my, my friend was making. I love him to death, but he's like, well, he only got there because of Dwayne Wade. I'm like, you can say that about every single coach. What coach gets the Final Four without good players? I'm sorry. I mean, like, look at all that's going to disqualify these players. his Final Four because he had Dwayne, Dwayne Wade on the team? Okay. Yeah, look at the last couple national championships. Uh, Carolina has, uh, you know, Justin Jackson, people like that. You had um, Villanova had Josh Hart. I mean, absolutely. It, it, Duke, Duke, Duke had, had, had uh, three first-round picks. Absolutely. Or, 
Yeah, Julie Locafor, Tyus Jones. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't win national titles without good players. I'm sorry, you don't win final you don't get the final four without good players. So disqualified Tom Creasy had Dwayne Wade like that. That is the most asinine argument I've ever heard. As much everyone talks about Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim has won one national championship in 43 years, and that was on the shoulders of Carmelo Anthony. Yep, bingo, 100. percent So yeah, you yeah he had a great player, but that's what you do. You get good players and you coach them up and you win. And even games. then, all right, so he didn't make another final four at Marquette. Okay, they were still a very consistent program. He, he built that program up to where they are now, uh, and then you got Buzz Williams come in and, and kind of took over, did a good job with them. You got Wojciechowski there now, who they're kind of falling off a little bit. They've just barely missed out on the tournament this year. Um, I think the name recognition though has been consistent for them. Is which oh, absolutely, they're still like they they're in the Big East right now, and they were not in the Big East. So I think if you look at what Tom Cream was able to do and kind of establish that program, I think. You, I don't want to say he's the only guy that's that's a factor there, but he certainly laid the groundwork to help that program, to elevate that program to the point where they're now in the Big East and they're getting big time money, and their profile has been raised dramatically. And Tom Cream was a big part of that, building that program up. So uh, I, 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 I had going back to the idea like, okay, Final Four, but yeah, Dwayne Wade like disqualified? No, no way. I mean, yeah, how many how many coaches don't get fired? Yeah, and it's, it's part of the deal in, in coaching. It, it sucks. I mean, you have your you have your truly elite guys out there. You have your Roy Williams, and you have your Mike Krzyzewski's. You have your Bill Selfs. Those guys, on a, not, and they're clearly on a level or two above Tom Green, no doubt about it. But your average coach is going to get fired. All right, it happens. Yeah, and let's be honest, George is never going to hire any of those blue blood coaches. Yeah, and that's another. So he kept saying, "All right, well, why do we have to get somebody's leftovers? Why couldn't we have to get somebody that's been winning?" I'm like. What what are you talking about? Who are we going to go hire that's winning big right now? At their school that's going to leave their school that they're having a lot of success at and come to our basketball program that has no tradition whatsoever. Like to me, it's either get a guy like this who's had a lot of success and just got fired at his last stop, but can still be a really good coach, or you go get an up and coming mid major guy. It's one of those two. Like we're not going to go get a guy. Like people talk about Chris Mack at Xavier. Chris Mack ain't coming here, guys. Like, no, he wh- got a number one seat. Why would he leave? Like, why would and people talk about Greg Marshall and, and like, okay, Greg Marshall of all the options, Greg Marshall's gonna have. Like, why would he yeah, come to Greg our program? And I love Georgia more than any. I, I trust me, guys. I'm a George man through and through. And it pains me to have to say like, why would he come here? But that's just the reality of the situation. Our basketball program is not there yet. It can be there. I truly believe it can be, but it's not. Like, we're not gonna go get a Greg Marshall or a Chris Mack or a guy like yeah, that. If, if, if they go anywhere, it'd be somewhere like Louisville, realistically. Absolutely. And Chris Mack's been he's, that's where he's been kinda of, his name has been kinda of linked there. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I don't know if I'd go there with all of the potential sanctions coming down. Uh, but like we're just not realistically gonna get one of those guys, right? They're not coming here. First off, why would they leave their school? If they're gonna leave their school, why would they come here when they have other options out there? It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could have gotten Earl Grant from College Charleston. I, and, but, and that's that, that's a name out there. Wes Miller from UNC Greensboro, you know, almost pulled off a big upset against Gonzaga in the first round. Those guys are good up-and-coming candidates, but we've been there and done that with, with those types of candidates. If you get, and I'm not saying that those guys won't be good. They might very well get, do a good job once they get uh, uh, another job, once they take a step up the ladder. But why would you take a guy like that? If you have a chance to go get a guy like Tom Green, who's been to a Final Four, who's won Big Ten championships, who's gone to Sweet 16s, who's rebuilt programs, uh, to me it's a no-brainer taking a guy like Tom Green over some of those mid-major type guys. Are, are, is that kind of how where you are with this? Would you take it? Tom yeah, Green? because I mean, I think one thing is already that's not being talked about is so you talk about Hagen's, you know, one of the biggest recruits that we need to get. All right, since Green has the credibility and what he has done, Green goes out and coaches at some of these camps. And he already has a relationship with Hagens because he coached of that. him. He coached him. Yep. 
on one of those turn on one of those. T- and some I, of those mid majors don't have relationships with these kids like that because they don't have the name recognitions and they don't get invited to coach at these at these yeah. uh, camps. Absolutely, absolutely. And going back to the rebuild things, and I, one of my argument, one of the arguments my friend was making was like, "Look, like, this first three years in Indiana was terrible," and he was all right. They were those. It took him three years to rebuild Indiana. The first three years Indiana, I should him four years, I guess. The first three years they were twenty eight and sixty six over those first three. That's that that's that's pretty rough. But again, you've got to factor in where they were coming from. He had one scholarship player in his first year, and then after those first three years, once he gets his guys in there and builds a program up, boom. The four, year four, 27 and nine, goes to the Sweet 16. Uh, year five, 29 and seven, wins the Big Ten, 14 and four in the Big Ten, goes to another Sweet 16, back to back Sweet 16 appearances there. Uh, and that's kind of what haunted him. He had these really good teams, but he couldn't get past the Sweet 16 in Indiana, which, again, for us, getting the Sweet 16, dude, that's. Uh, it will, I'll take one win. I will take one win. And that's yeah. the idea that. Well, he, he's not really that much of an upgrade over Mark Fox. Mark Fox has zero wins. He had zero tournament wins in nine years. Zero. Zero tournament wins. And in fact, think about this, all right? Uh, in his career, Tom Crean has 11 NCAA tournament wins, which is four more than we have in the entire history of our basketball program. We have seven NCAA tournament wins ever in the history of our basketball program. He has 11. So to say that this is not an upgrade over what we were coming from, like, how can you make that argument? It just it carries no water whatsoever. There's no way. Um, and after, so after those, and going back to the rebuild, after those th- first three years, he goes, he wins 23 games a year over his next six years. All right, he had three 27 plus win seasons in Indiana. Uh, the the year he got fired, the year before he got fired, he won the Big Ten. He won the Big Ten the year before he got fired. To me, is, is this a situation where he's kind of a victim of his own success? It really was, and at the same time, you know, uh, what really hurt him is he lost all his senior, and there's big injury that got him. Yeah, there's some, there's injury bugs that got him late in his tenure there, and you one of the things, Yogi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you lose you you lose Yogi Ferrell. You lose some of those guys. You lose Will Sheehy, who was a really good player for them. Um, guys like that. Uh, but then I think what was frustrating some of the Indiana fans is that his last year, I think there were like four players in the state of Indiana inside of the top 50 nationally, and he missed on all of them. Uh, which, but that was that was the that was not the norm. That was kind of the exception. He landed a bunch of guys. Uh, but so it's just weird. Like, you know, he wins the Big Ten. He wins the Big Ten in 2015, 2016. Goes to the Sweet 16. Then the following year, he ends up 18 and 16. Um, and ends up in the NIT, and boom, he's done. He's gone. So to me, it's kind of like he built up the expectation for that team. He got two Big Ten titles, uh, three Sweet 16 appearances, but he couldn't quite get over that hump. You know, Because there was one year, I think it was the 2012-2013 year, when they were 14-4 and in the league. I think they were the number one overall seed that year, and they, they got knocked out in the Sweet 16. So his fans, uh, the fans of Indiana, just they – got frustrated by that, and they wanted more. So I think he built them up to a level where they were consistently good, but he just couldn't quite take the next level. Kind of like Mark Rick, right, in a way? Uh, I don't yeah. think Hey, really, it's, it's Mark Rick comes in, takes our program to a level that we haven't been in in a while, uh, but kind of plateau, couldn't quite get over that hump, and then you got to move on. So maybe that's kind of what happened here with Tom Crean. Like, just like Mark Rick, though, doesn't mean Mark Rick's not a good coach. Look, he had a good year in Miami this year. Doesn't mean Tom Crean's not a good coach. Doesn't mean he can't get the job done here, especially a school like Georgia where we have so many guys on really ever in basketball and to see a guy that's had this level of success that has this much energy and has a vision at least has presented a vision for us in the future believes in what this program can be um i think it's exciting i I definitely do uh the the other argument that that my friend kept making here i'll let you respond to this one is that 
and I don't know. I honestly don't know where he got this from. I, I think he's just making stuff up, honestly. But his argument was that Tom Crean is not a great recruiter and has no experience recruiting the South, let alone Georgia. How would you respond to that? All right. Well, first off, Crean uh, talked about that he hadn't been in the state of Georgia a lot, but let's he did acknowledge he, that. But neither did Mark Fox. It took Mark Fox almost eight years to start even getting connections in there. You heard? Uh, yeah, he came from uh, Nevada. I mean, come on. Yeah, there were there were people that were, uh, you know, some of these recruiting places were talking to high school coaches around the area, and they said Mark Fox was just now finally starting to establish connections with the in the state of Georgia. It took him nine years. Um, but is that concerning about Tom Crean starting all over again? No, not at all because of what Crean brings name recognition-wise. You know, uh, Mark Fox was not an exciting hire when we hired him. Um, Crean brings an energy, and I think Crean's also hungry after being, like I said earlier, being fired from his last job. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing is talking about recruiting. Okay, this guy landed Cody Zeller. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and like I said earlier, he also has a better eye for talent evaluation when you talk about Victor Oladipo, Dwayne Wade, um, Yogi Ferrell, who, you know, went undrafted and all of a sudden, you know, is a consistent staple for the Mavs right now. I mean, the guy is just um, – it's not like he lacks with getting players and evaluating. Yeah, no doubt. I think Dwayne Wade was a – was a prop five guy. I mean, he was a guy that that, that he, he lucked into him. He, he identified him and got him. But well, he, he said was not that a, Dwayne only had three or four scholarships. Yeah, he wasn't a guy that anybody was really going after. Uh, and you know, Dwayne Wade, obviously, you know, if you've been paying attention, I'm sure you guys have seen. Has been tweeting, you know, congratulations, Coach Grant. They're still apparently very, very close. He sees Crean as a father figure. Which, dude, having a guy like that behind you that you can point to, and and he can maybe talk to some recruits or like at least put some positive vibes out there in the Twitter sphere. Uh, that's big, you know. That again goes back to name recognition, name yeah, value. Yeah, I mean, you see all the ex player, the ex Indiana players like out here congratulating him. Yeah, they seem to like him. I and one of the things that I had heard about him, and I, I, again, this is just complete rumor. I have no idea if it's true or not. But you heard that he was a little more rough around the edges, maybe a little bit abrasive because it's just so intense. I don't know if that's true because it seems like a lot of now. Granted, these are his former players, but they all seem to be uh, all about him. You know, they're very supportive of him coming out there. I'm sure they're you know it's not every player, but a lot of the guys out there. Uh, and, and a lot of the guys he worked with at ESPN were tweeting congratulations to him. So I don't know how much how true that really is. But I'd heard a few people yeah, you say always have those kids that don't succeed in programs, and so they have. Them. I mean, let's be honest. How many times have you heard negative things about Kirby Smart's first year when he was being a uh, you know being hard on all those soft kids? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes being an alpha, like being that type of coach, like you, you there are times where you are a jerk. I mean, that isn't and you don't want to be that all the time. But there is an element to that at times where you got to push those buttons, get the best out of players. Uh, but I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt there, and, and just you know, we'll see. I I, I don't want to just go off what I've heard there, uh, but there has been some words out there about that. But just give me some numbers on his recruiting ability to kind of refute what my friend was saying here. All right, uh, in his I think was it eight years at Indiana, he signed 17 top 100 players. All right, about two a year, 17 top 100 players. 11 of those top 100 players were top 50 players. Five of them were top 20. Like you mentioned like Yogi Ferrell, Cody Zeller, those type guys. Five top 20 players. So this is a guy that can't recruit? I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like that's, like, does that sound like that kind of – I mean that to me sounds like a guy that can recruit, right? Yeah. I mean five top 20 players. Like, granted, he's recruiting to, he was recruiting to Indiana. That can sell itself a lot easier than Georgia can. There's no doubt. But we have that in-state – uh, talent there that's that's close. Now we got we got to sell our program, no doubt. We got to become like, kind of like what our football program is going. We got we got to kind of have to become that it program in the state, uh, kind of that cool factor, which we haven't really had in basketball. Let's just be real; it hasn't ever been a thing. Uh, but if he can find a way to do that, then I think that we can definitely uh, get some guys in here. And look, for me, like if we get top one hundred players, I'll be happy. Like we don't need to get top twenty players. 
Now, if we can get one here or there that's in the state, like an Ashton Hagens, that's fantastic. But if we can just routinely get guys in the top 100, wouldn't you be satisfied with that? I would. I mean, at this point for us, I, I would go with that all day long. And you mentioned, I agree with you 100%, talking about him demonstrating a solid eye for talent and the ability to develop players. You mentioned Dwayne Wade, but a guy like OG Ananubi, he's a guy that had very few offers. He was not a, a high, big-time recruit coming out of high school, high-profile type guy. He's playing the NBA right now. Uh, Victor Oladipo, we mentioned him earlier. He's outside the top 100. Now he was in the NBA. He was, the, he was number two overall pick, right? Yeah. And the guy like uh, Will Sheehy, uh, who averaged about 12 points a game his senior year, which is not off the charts, but nobody was recruiting him. He turned him into a really good contributing player for them. Uh, and I also think that the idea that you haven't recruited in the South, like, okay, there's maybe some basis to that, but I think in a way it's overrated. Uh, I think if I you mean, can the recruit. Same could have been said about that matter. Yeah, if you, yeah, exactly. How is that any different than, than Mata? Like, I don't see how that's any different whatsoever. I think, honestly, if you can recruit, you can recruit. Now, sure, you have to build relationships. That all helps. But if you can recruit, you have to do you'll that get it done. You go. Yeah, you're, like when he, when he moved to Indiana, he had to establish relationships and he did just fine there. He'll have to establish relationships here. And I'm, I feel like he'll do fine here. And another thing, too, is like a lot of times with these coaches, it's about the assistants you hire because they're the ones that are out on the, on the recruiting show a lot more than the coaches. There are more restrictions on what the coaches can actually do. So if he's able to bring back a guy like Jonas Hayes, and I don't, I mean, I've heard some, some promising news on that. I mean, well, I guess some promising idea that he might be coming back. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, but if we can get Jonas Hayes back, would that not be a huge, huge hire for him? One hundred percent. I think that would get Hagens. Yeah, I mean Hagens. I mean that's that was the all, that was the the scuttlebutt is that Jonas was a big part of landing Ashton Hagens, also Elias King as well. So if we can keep Jonas Hayes in the fold, then I think that will go a long way in getting a guy like Ashton Hagens back in, in the fold, a guy like Elias King back because those are two big time guys. And especially now with Hagens reclassifying to the, to the uh, two thousand eighteen class, he was a two thousand nineteen guy, but he's reclassified kind of like Marvin Bagley did this past year. Uh, I, I, that could be huge, keeping Jonas on board and potentially get some of those guys back in the fold. Because if we get Ashton Hagens back in the fold somehow, do you think this team could potentially compete for or contend for a tournament berth next year? Um, maybe. I think though it would take. You have to see uh, big strides taken by both Hammonds and Claxton. Hagens is a legit one and done type guy. And we don't get those guys very often. I, I, if we, can, I mean, he's he's a he is a he's a lead guard. He can score the basketball. I, I think we could. Be, I think we'd have a chance. I don't. I'm not gonna say we predict we will. I think we would have definitely a chance if we got Higgins back in the fold. Um, and you're right. Now we would definitely have to have Hammonds take a big jump, which I think he started to come on a little bit late in the season. I think he can be a really good player for us. Claxton, I love what I've seen. Claxton's a kind of big you need in the modern yeah, basketball he, age. He even brought up Claxton in his press conference. That's that's the kind of big you need. You like the idea of have these like like Isaac Haas, like the, those kind of guys. Like, dude, give me a guy like Claxton all day, every day, who's a big, athletic, long guy that can that can defend the rim, that can clean up around the rim, uh, that can block shots. That's the kind of guy you know, that can run. You know, those kind of those are the kind of bigs that you need in mo- in the modern day in, in, in college basketball. So. I think we have the pieces to potentially, maybe, possibly make a run towards the tournament if we land Ashton Hagens. If we don't get Hagens, I don't know if I feel too confident about that. Uh, might be a, a year or two, which I'm okay with. I mean, look, I, I have no, I, I completely understand the situation that he's coming with the roster. But if we can somehow land Hagens by bringing Jonas Hayes back, I think that would be a, a huge boon to our chances next year. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, so look, so my friend obviously is an idiot, right? Terms. Yeah, I mean, I love him, but just I, I, I just don't, I, I can't buy the argument that he's not a great recruiter. Because you look at the numbers, the Duke can recruit. Yes, I know he's recruiting Indiana, but still, all right, the guy, if you can recruit, you can recruit. 
Um, the idea that they got, uh, we're taking someone else's leftovers. I honestly, I just don't know who else you're going to, like, realistically, who are we going to go get, all right? Who are we going to go get a guy that's been really successful in this program? That's not happening. Go get a mid-major guy, sure. But if you can get a guy like Tom Green who's been successful, who's won 26-plus games five times in his year or in his career, he's got a Final Four. I mean, how, how could how could you not go after a guy like this? And I, and I don't know if it's going to work out. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think Greg McGarrity got this one right. I know McGarrity takes a lot of heat. Uh, and the modest situation didn't look great. Uh, I don't know how much of that was really on McGarity. Do you put that? How much of that do you put on McGarity? The the whole Mata backing out on uh, us. I, I put it all on Mata. Actually, it seems like McGarity's gonna catch the heat, but for the most part, he played it pretty well. Yeah, I honestly don't have an issue with McGarity. Like, look, I, I, you and I have been I hard on McGarity. If anything, I have an issue with uh, the staff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, and look, from what I can understand, we we try to keep the. The, the visit from Amada, we try to get that under wraps. Somebody leaked that, right? And I guess you, you ultimately you come back and you blame the guy in charge, McGarrity. I guess you can say that. But I, I have no issue with him going after a guy like Thad Mata. And I have, you know, it, 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 from what I understand, it sounds like we had an agreement in place and Mata backed out the last second for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it was his health. Uh, maybe he decided, you know what? I just, maybe he was just playing this all along because he had to show that he was trying to mitigate Ohio State's responsibility to pay him or whatever. I really put it on Mata. He, from what I understand, it seems like he did agree at first and then backs out of it. I'm not putting on McGarity. I'm really not. Uh, and I, I got to say this. I, I got to give Greg McGarity props on on actually committing to our basketball program, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy, like, one of the things that we've always been all over about is that he's not giving our guys the resource they need. There's no commitment there. You're letting, you're just settling for mediocrity. You're allowing Mark Fox to stay year after year after year. Um, but here he is. I mean, open up the checkbooks, man. $3.2 million a year. That's not that far off what Kirby made his first year. Now, Kirby's going to be in line for a big pay bump, no doubt, obviously. But open up the checkbook like that, given a six year deal, $3.2 million. Man, that that is commitment. That is commitment to basketball, and this is what we've been asking for for years. You and I have always said this: this program can be a very, very good program. Um, it was just it's commitment, and, and I know I know the Steg still gets a lot of criticism. And look, it's not. It, there's plenty of other nice arenas, no doubt. But the the Steg is is night and day better than than it used to be. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a, a hindrance to us in getting guys. There's no. I don't I don't think it will be at least. And the last thing I'll say here: getting an experienced coach like this. I, I think this is the trend you're seeing in the SEC. Look, look at Alabama. Get Avery Johnson. Give him a couple years. They're going to run the tournament. Auburn. Now, Bruce Pearls, Bruce Pearl, and Bruce Pearl cheats. We all know that. But still, they win the SEC. Rick Barnes. Give him a couple years to Tennessee. Get an established coach. Who, who, look, I mean, Rick Barnes also fired at Texas, right? Fired oh, yeah. Very true. And then he goes to the SEC. Fired at Texas. Give him a couple years at Tennessee, and they win the SEC. So it, it's been done before, and you're telling me that Tennessee and Auburn – and Alabama have more resources to be better than us in basketball. Yeah, if we Alabama, actually commit, in my opinion, Alabama has the worst stadium in the SEC. It, it is. It, I, I was going to say, Steg is not great, but Alabama's is definitely worse. Um, but so, like those those guys have had a good amount of success, especially Pearl and Barnes winning the SEC, tying for the SEC this year, co co champs. We have a we have better built in, more built in advantages than Tennessee and Auburn do, no doubt about it. So if they can have that kind of success by going and getting, if you want to call it a retread coach that's, that's had success in the past, but he's a retread now, then all right, give me a retread. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. So I'm excited about it. I think this is a, a, the right direction for our program. I'm really excited. You know, it'll just be fun. You know, we, obviously football, we're always going to be a football school. I, I don't see that ever changing. I don't really ever I want that to, to change. I, I think Kirby even wants basketball to uh... – to uh, improve because it, you know he hates bringing recruits to watch crappy basketball. Yes, all, all the programs help each I other mean, out. Because you, 
it has been said that Kirby has had a hand in uh, getting boosters to to get money so that we could pay money like we did to hire Tom. Cruise. Absolutely. I mean, when when one program has success, it can breed success in other programs. So. Uh, you know, I think I think our football success that we're having right now can be good for basketball. I think if we have some basketball success, that can be even better for football. Uh, there's and if baseball can get back on track. I mean, there's no doubt they all kind of feed off each other and they definitely help each other out. So I'm excited about this. Uh, it's you know football will again will always be a football school, but it kind of sucks uh, during the off season these winter months when we're just we're not good at basketball and we have no chance to do anything. It's kind it's just it sucks. And it's gonna be nice to maybe potentially have some excitement uh, come March. And it kind of bide us some time until we get to the football season. So I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. I, I really hope it turns out well. I'm very optimistic about it. We'll see. I think he's going to energize our program. I think he's going to sell our program. At least he has to this point. I don't, I don't see him stopping, not stopping anytime soon because this guy seems to be a bundle of energy. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's just see how it goes. But, all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to the show. Let us know your thoughts on the new hire. You can find us on Twitter at Gloria underscore UGA. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>